It's good to see you guys. You guys look really good. Uh, Robert, good to see you, man. I don't always call people out, but I saw you, and I was like, man, it's good to see you, man. Oh, praise God. Wow, wow, wow. Just trying to think about what I should do next. <laughs> hey, before I get to my message, and, and the message isn't, isn't too long today, so, so you'll be all right. Um, but, and, and I'm going on the, uh, some lack of sleep for some good reasons, because we, we welcomed a brand new baby a couple weeks ago into our home, so thanks. Um, but the good news is, is I probably have more sleep than my, than my wife does, so. Um, but it also means that I'm not, all, I'm not responsible for everything that comes out of my mouth today, so, so there you go. Um, uh, and we also, uh, Leslie's out of town, our church administrator, so um, we didn't put together PowerPoint, so you'll just have to believe me that, the, um, that what I'm saying is, is accurate, and, and maybe this is good um, for you to actually open your Bible um, and, um, and follow along. So, or, and there's actually an app for that, too, if you'd, if you'd like that. Uh, before I get to the message, there's a couple things um, I just want to hit on. First of all... Um, in, on August 27th, we have a day coming called Invite Your One. And it's, uh, this, is, this is kind of our big, our outreach this year is, uh, um, and we will do other things, but this is kind of our thing. It's, it's low maintenance in the fact that all you have to do is invite somebody, but it's high impact in the fact that what would happen if somebody came to this church on that day? Uh, I've, I've talked with, with many people. And, and they've been in my office or they've come into the sanctuary. I remember, I, remember, I, I want to say it was like even last summer, um, I, I met someone called up and said, hey, can I stop by the church? And they hadn't been, uh, they had moved away and hadn't been to our church in a while. And they, uh, they just came, we just met in the sanctuary, we sat down and just started talking and they paused for a minute and they said, wow, I miss this. I mean, we, we didn't have the, the band playing. There wasn't, you know, you know, soft music and booger crying at the altar. There wasn't like a good, like a good, like, a, you know, Holy Spirit message or anything. But there was just something about the place. They sat down in the chair and they said, I miss this. I miss, there, there was someone else, even just recently, we're sitting in the conference room and they, and they said, there's something. I, I don't know. I've tried other places. I've been, and, and not to knock any other place, but I've been to other places. And something about this place, when I walk in the building, it's just like, I feel, and you know what that is? It's the power and presence of God. It's something that we can't make up. Like, we can't manufacture that stuff. Like, like well, hopefully we can provide a, 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 a place for it, an atmosphere for it. But, but he shows up here, you know. And I believe this. I believe that if, if somebody walks in this building, that they have the opportunity to encounter a living God. And, and, and touch him and have him touch their life. I really believe that. I believe that, that there's an opportunity to hear the gospel and have the most supernatural thing. We be, we're a supernatural church. We believe that. We believe in the presence of God and miracles and healing. I, I'll tell you over and over, I believe the most supernatural thing that can happen is when somebody that, that is dead in their sin becomes alive in Christ. That, that more than just the, the words that they say and recite, but there's something supernatural that happens in someone's heart when they say yes to Jesus, and now all of a sudden, they are, the Bible says they're a new creation. 
Like, and, 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 and the word there, that word transform, it's, it's actually a word, it's like metamorphosis. It's going from, from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Like there is no way of going back. I mean, this is, it is totally brand new, new creation. We believe that supernatural thing happens and it can happen to your friend or your family member, or the barista at the coffee shop you go to, or the waitress at, we don't have Denny's, what do we have here, Perkins, uh, uh, wherever you go. Um, And so what we're going to do is we're going to keep this on the front burner week after week until August 27th and simply invite your one. I I really am excited about this. Um, Starting next week, you're going to see a big kind of sign thing in the front um, entryway. And and we're going to start putting either names or descriptions of people on this sign. It's going to be visible. Every every week that you walk in, you're going to start to see, wait a minute, those are people. That are, going to, that are invited, that are going to come on August 27th. And you're going to be able to pray for people. Pray, you'll walk by that sign and be like, I'm praying for that person. I'm praying for that person to come to know Jesus. Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand. Anyone know somebody that just needs to be in church on August 27th or, or next week? <laughs> Anybody? I, I, know, I know of at least uh, two people that I'm going to invite. I know of at least two people. Anybody already invited somebody? Okay, raise your hand high. Stand up, Tammy. You'd be our first... So, uh, no commitment yet, but, you, but you've invited. It, 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 was it pretty simple? To just to, so a waiter, at a, a waiter at a restaurant? That's so cool. That's so cool. Anyways, well, I won't bore you anymore with all this, but gosh, could, could we as a, you know, uh, we're not doing our, our, as some of you know, we do our big fall fest every year where we have like 1,300 people come through. We're not doing, this year we're doing Invite Your One. And I believe that I'm, I am, I'm expecting for um, 200 people, uh, including children, to be in our building. And I'm planning for 250. Who knows? Who knows what God's going to do? There could be parking issues. This is what I need from you. I need you to like be nice Christians that day. All right? That's just why I need you to be, I need you to be nice. I need you to, like, you're going to be, some of you will be the, the first person that they see. And so uh, we, have, we have guests show up, and maybe you need to, like, scoot to the center instead of in the same chair you always sit in. Maybe you're like, you know, I think I could, like, you know, scoot so that somebody else could sit, right? Maybe, maybe you need to help show them where the bathroom is or help show them where the children's ministry is or, or, uh, or pray with them or greet them or sit with them maybe, you know? You invite someone to church that day, you know what a good thing to do is? Meet them in the front and, and, then, and then invite them to sit with you. So uh, I'll talk with you more and more. But can you tell that I'm excited about this? Invite your one. This is more, uh, some people think, oh, gosh, like we're just going to have a lot of people that day. But it, it, you, know, you know why we're doing this? It has nothing to do with having a lot of people that day. The reason why we're having to invite your one is because what if we stirred up a culture within this church that, that we should invite people on a regular basis? What if we started understanding that if somebody walks in here, they can encounter God? So we're, we're, we're doing that. And then also, what if they actually do show up? What then? And so we're putting uh, things in place to disciple people and to love on them and to help them grow in their walk with God. And so I'm, I'm looking at August 27th not as the, the finish line end date, but as the starting point. So, all right. Hey, um, in addition to that, could I have uh, Bruce, would you come, come up here real quick? One of the things that we're, uh, that we're doing 
is uh, how many know that, um, what, what's the verse that says, uh, uh, unless the Lord builds the house, he who labors, labors in vain. And uh, we could plan great outreaches and we could, you know, there's all kinds of ways to get 250 people in a building. You know, if I'm giving away iPads, I bet they'll show up. Right? <laughs> but uh, this is more than just getting people in a building. This is a thing. We really believe in spiritual encounters. And so um, starting, uh, we've already started. And then every day leading up to the event, um, Bruce and his wife Cheryl are leading prayer. And so this may be something that you want to, you're like, I don't know what I could do. Maybe you want to just pray. Pray for the people that haven't walked in our building yet. And pray for the event. And pray for the leaders. And pray for all the different people. And pray for the children's workers that are going to be ministering to the children of those that have never been in our building before. Um, but would you share just a couple minutes, and, and I'm still going to try to preach today. So, so, all right. And would you just tell them what you're doing? And Oh, do you have a mic? I'm really amazed that you use the word culture because that's the word the Lord used this morning. Oh. Um, so um, I want to share with you two scriptures that changed my life. One is from Isaiah 30, 32. And every blow of the rod of his punishment. Sorry. I'm not as smart as Jonathan here. And every blow of the rod of his punishment which the Lord will send on him will be with the sound of music and with the waving of his sword, the Lord will make war against him. Okay, that's one. Electronic things. But now, this is from 2 Kings 3.15, but now get me a player of music and it will come about that while the man is playing, the hand of the Lord will come on me and I will give to you the word of the Lord. And they got a player of music and while the man was playing, the hand of the Lord was on him. There's another culture in Kearney at two or three in the morning. I don't know if you've ever been downtown on the bricks. But the Lord reminded me of that. I saw it a couple of times. I was up early those hours and there's a kind of a whole nother world. The Lord told me he wanted to make another culture here. And that's, um, it's, it's a culture that we should all be anyway. Prayer warriors, wow. intercessors. And I'm inviting you to meet with us here um, whenever you get here. And we just walk, we walk the chairs, we pray, we ask God, the list of names, I'm sure, will become available, and we'll pray over those names. Um, and specifically, just to clarify, so you get here at what time on Sunday mornings? Um, it varies, but usually uh, the worship team is just starting to practice. So about 8 o'clock or so, 8.15. Uh, 8, 8.15, 8.30, somewhere in there, we're usually here. And then you're just walking these aisles and praying we, over he, we, They pray over the chairs of, of people that come into this room every week. It's just incredible. Just as an example, one of the things the Lord told me today was circumstantial evidence. So whatever you're facing, the Lord says, as far as heaven's concerned, that's circumstantial evidence. He's throwing it out. Doesn't. <laughs> okay? So, what, I mean, you just hear stuff like that. And I, what I'm inviting you into is to have your life change forever. Because when, when you get it that the Lord is here, 
and he's talking to you. It changes you forever. And I, I'm inviting you to have your life messed up forever walking the chairs with us. Does that make sense? Thank you, man. In a good way. They're going to... Um they're, they're going to have prayer focuses coming out. They'll be, um, and we even talked about maybe there'd be like even a daily time where people know at this time we're going to be praying for Invite Your One. Um, the week leading up to Invite Your One, the week before, we're going to do some real intentional all-church prayer times and really saying, I, mean, I know that God wants to change someone's life that day. You guys excited about it? Super cool. All right, all right, cool. Thanks. Thanks, Tammy, for that hint, uh, round of applause. All right, all right. We're in the book of Philippians, and uh, I, haven't, I haven't had an opportunity to, to share out of Philippians yet. I think the, the first week was uh, Pastor Bo, and I just listened to his message, and it was, if you were here, what a, what a great message on being thankful for those people in your life and, uh, and truly thanking God for them and, and blessing them. And how many know sometimes that's easier said than done? There's, are, there, are there some people in your life that's hard to be thankful for? Come on. And so that challenged me. I appreciated that, Pastor Bo. And uh, and then um, and then the week after that, I believe was uh, my dad was here, and he talked in Philippians two, and uh, just an incredible thing. He he came in, and we were getting ready to, or we just had a had a baby, and he said, "I'll I'll preach for you." And I said, "Thank God." And and I, although I I wish he would have preached for me today because last night was a doozy with uh, with Lydia, but. But we're good. We're like, uh, I, uh, Christy said, how are you doing, Jonathan? And I, and I said, uh, I said, Man, I'm a little tired. She says, no, you're blessed and highly favored. I'm like, all right, I'm good. I'm fresh anointing. We're, we're going for it, man. She kind of scared me a little bit. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3, I want to talk about the mindset of joy. And, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go after this for a little bit. But the, the whole book is really about joy. And, um, you know, Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 4 is kind of the anchor verse. And we'll actually hit that a little bit more next week in our, in our last chapter in Philippians. But it says this, rejoice in the Lord how many times? And again, I'll, or this says, I will say it again, rejoice. Always. Man, it's, it's, I liken it to that other place in the book of James when he says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. You guys remember that verse in, in James chapter 1? He says, consider it pure joy. Uh, you know, warm fuzzies walking through a field of daisies with the precious moments, Jesus, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Right? And it says, goes on, it says, for the testing will produce faith and perseverance. And man, you know. And, and here he's like, rejoice always. And it, it's, uh, you know, we look at that and we're like, Paul, but you don't even know what I'm going through. The Apostle Paul, he wrote this to the, to the um, people in Philippi. And like, man, you don't even know. I mean, have you ever gone through what I'm going and, and what I'd like to just let you know is, is you don't know what he went through. <laughs> and he's writing these words and he's in, he's, uh, most people think he's, he's under house arrest. He's, uh, he might be in a Roman prison. 
Um, but he is under Roman guard. And, and, you know, house arrest in America, you got that, um, you know, with, with that ankle, ankle monitor and, and, and you can kind of just do whatever you want and watch TV and eat and all this. And so it, I'm, I'm guessing just a little bit more rough conditions. But at this point, he's like 30 years after his, his like conversion experience on the road to Damascus and, and you know, where it was, uh, it was Saul to Paul, if you remember the story in Acts, and, and he was persecuting Christians and all all of a sudden, he's, he's like sees Jesus and gets saved and all this. And, and so 30 years later, after many trials and tribulations and floggings and imprisonments and, and, and best friends turning their back on him and all kinds of things going on, he sits here and he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He writes this whole thing, the whole theme of this book about joy. And he writes it from a place where he could easily say, this sucks. This, this isn't good. This, I, 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 you know, I wouldn't wish what I'm going through on my worst enemy. And he rejoices in it. He rejoices in the Lord. He, re, he rejoices in his, in his relationship. I, I love some of the things that we see here. Philippians chapter 3 verse 1, he starts off the, the chapter, what we're focusing on today, and he says this, In addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me and it's a safeguard for you. And in other words, he's like, I've talked to you about joy before. I've, t- I've talked to you about rejoicing. And, and it's no trouble for me to tell you to you again because this is a real big deal. And it's not because I think that you forgot about it. He's like, but we need to be reminded over and over and over again about this concept. He's like, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Man, how many know that sometimes it's just hard to have joy? How many know that there's a difference between joy and happiness? And and. You know, I, I know that's, that's not like a, a, you know, an aha moment for you right now. But it, isn't that true? And we, we want to be happy. I mean, what are some of the things that make us happy, right? You know, we're happy when, when our kids obey us. We're happy when, you know, there's more in our, in our checking account than less. We're happy when our health is, is good. We're happy when... You know, the, you know, the vacation happens and we go to where we want to go. We're happy when we've spent more days out of the hospital than in. We're happy when you fill in the blanket. You know, we look at these things, these external things. Are those things bad? Well, not at all. The only thing is, is that, that happiness and, and those things that cause happiness are fleeting. The, they, they come and they go. They're, they're here today and gone tomorrow. It, it, you try to hold on to, to happiness and sometimes it's like a slippy bar of soap and you're just like, oh. And, but joy. Joy, Paul focuses on joy in this book because he's like in the midst of whatever you're going through. And, and I know some of your stories, I don't know all. I know some things even for some of you and for me in our life and that, that this week, Right? And you're like, oh, could you be preaching on something else today, Pastor Jonathan? Because I, I just want a warm, fuzzy one. But can I tell you that if we can learn how to find joy in the midst, like this is part of maturing in our walk with God. This is part of that thing that, will, that we'll be able to hold on in the end. Like, like it, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but, but it's probably going to get harder. I mean, there's good and there's bad and there's blessings and there's all kinds of stuff and there's going to be great things. But this, there's going to be an end. There's going to be an end time drama and, and there's going to be all kinds of stuff that are going and Jesus is going to come back with a sword and all this stuff, right? And what if we today could learn to have joy 
to be able to, to, be able to say, hey, I'm blessed and highly favored, Christy, <laughs> instead of I'm tired. You know, that was what I want. That's what I did say and, and what I do feel. And maybe I'll just fake it till I make it right now, right? <laughs> My goodness. So I want to show you a couple things. As I was reading chapter 3 in Philippians, I saw two negative mindsets that I want to that I want to hit on, and then, I, and then I saw one mindset that I feel like the Lord wants us to have. And this is easier said than done. This is, this is one of those things that you have to fight for this every day. If, if you're one of those people that you have a tendency to go negative, like you need to choose joy. Does that make sense? Like this isn't, a, this isn't just a, a, the feeling. This isn't just the, you know, oh, it, it's going to happen. It's, it's probably not just going to happen. You have to choose joy. So, so let's talk here. There's some mindsets. First of all, um, there's a, I, I see in the beginning here in this chapter a legalistic mindset. Legalistic mindset. or In other words, a, a works or performance mindset. And Paul's talking about this. And, and here, this is what it says. Philippians chapter 3, verse 2 through 3. Paul says to this, to the, to the people in Philippi, watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God. Boast in Christ Jesus and do not put confidence in the flesh. And so right here, he kind of takes a turn here in chapter 3. And, he's, and, he's, and he wants to warn um, these, these Jewish believers about the dogs. About the Workers of evil, about the, the what, did he, what did he say, about, about those who mutilate the flesh. I want to I warn you against this. This is what's going on here. Is, uh, he's, there were people, they were called Judaizers, and they thought that, it, that really that we could, we could be more spiritual and, and, and really kind of earn um, a, a, a level of salvation and conversion by um, circumcision and by doing things to almost become Jewish. And I'll tell you this, and you'll see here a little bit, a little bit more, Paul was, was more Jewish than all of them. And, and, and a side note here is, did you know that Christianity, first of all, it wasn't called Christianity yet, but let's just call it Christianity. Did you know that it, that it was a sect of Judaism? It wasn't separate from? In other words, Paul was writing to Jewish believers, and it was like you had the Pharisees who were, who were a sect of Judaism. You had Sadducees, and that was another sect. You had the, the es, it was the Essenes or Essenes, I forget how to pronounce it, and they were, they were a sect. And then all of a sudden, Jesus pops up on the scene, and he's got a, a brand new sect of Judaism called the Way. It would later be called Christianity. And Paul sees this, and, and before, before, he was, uh, before he was Paul, Paul was actually religiously going after that sect of, of, uh, of Judaism called Christianity, and he thought he was doing for the Lord because these guys were heretics and all of this. And so Paul is talking to these guys, and he's like, no, you, you don't like these Gentiles and all that. You don't need to like become Jewish in order to, in order to like, uh, um, encounter Jesus and, and have salvation. And, and he says, actually, those of you that think that you need to do that, as far as anyone know what circumcision is, do I need to explain that? Um, okay, good. He's like, if you, if you think that by, by cutting off a piece of skin, 
that now you've somehow attained a level of, of conversion or salvation. He's like, all you've done is mutilated yourself. You're, you're a mutilator. That's all you've done. And, and, you're, and so watch out for those types of people that are going to put these, these types of legalistic things on you. He's like, there is freedom in the cross. And I, don't, and I want you to watch out for that because it's about relationship. And so he says that. He starts out, Paul's referring to those who, who thought that what they did made them righteous. I, I, I grew up, and now uh, the argument isn't circumcision anymore, but, um, but to me, it, really all this is is about performance and, and what I do uh, leads me closer to the Lord and makes me f- feel like God likes me better. I grew up kind of... Um, and my dad and I have worked through some of this stuff, and so he knows. Uh, I mean, in fact, I even wrote about some of it in, in the book. And, uh, but, but I grew up in an environment where somehow, and I don't blame it all on my dad, but somehow this is what happened. The enemy used, used some things in our relationship to kind of make my thought process go wonky. And, and I, the way I, I don't know, the way I would describe it is that I wanted to, to please him, and he would, he would always be there, my dad would always be there at like the, my events, like the basketball game, or the, um, you know, the, the drama, the theater production I was in, or, or the, the soccer game, or the thing that was important, he would be there for. And then, for some reason in my little mind, I would think, well, but he really wasn't there in the day-to-day. You know, and he was busy, and he was doing things for God, and he, my dad was a, was a preacher. And, and so somehow I just, I started to think, and you know, you kind of lens God sometimes through your relationship with, with your dad. I started thinking that God, like I had to do something like a big theater production, or I had to like do something like on the level of, a, of winning a basketball game in order to get God's attention. Because that's what it was with, with my, in other words, I had to perform well. I had to do something like was, that was larger than life in order for, for this relationship with God to, does that make sense? At, at least it's how it worked out in my mind. And so we start to see that you could, you could actually become almost legalistic in your approach to a relationship with God. And it's, and it's, uh, it's meant to be far from that. Um, here, this is kind of what I view legalism. This, this would be a, a definition that you could write down if you want. Legalism is doing the right things for the wrong reasons and emphasizing your performance to attain righteousness. Legalism, spiritual, spiritual legalism, is doing the right things for the wrong reasons and emphasizing your performance to attain righteousness. Legalism often emphasizes principles and patterns as opposed to what is clearly right and wrong. In other words, for instance, we're not going to sit here probably, I imagine, we're not going to sit here and argue about, um, you know, if somebody decides not to murder or not to steal or lie, we're not going to say, you're just being too legalistic. You know, you, need to, you just need to chill out, like lighten up a little bit. Right? No, like uh, those would be part of what we would call the Ten Commandments. We're, we're, not, we're, not, we're, we're not legalistic, right? We're, we're sitting here and say, yes, for sure, obey those. Yes, for sure, don't murder. Yes, there, where there's no question. 
And whether you have the right motive or not, hopefully the end result is you didn't murder. Whether there's the right motive in your heart or not, hopefully the end result is you didn't lie or steal or cheat or do, right? Are we on the same page? So, but legalism is a little bit different. This is, this is I kind of view it this way. There's a difference between doing what Jesus said and doing what Jesus did. Okay? So, often what Jesus said, this is the way I would interpret, often the, what Jesus said would be like a command. Do this, don't do that. How many know that we need to just do what he said? No questions. But then, there's another thing about following, like, what he did. Where we sit there and, and, and we can look and say, well, wait a minute, he didn't say do that, but he did do that. Should I follow that or not? And this is where we start getting into some of the gray areas and some of the, I don't know, and this is interesting. You find people that will come to me and say, well, pastor, the Bible doesn't say specifically don't do or do do. Did he just say do do? Right. And when you, when you start going down that road, well, pastor, the Bible, I don't think, the Bible doesn't really say. A lot of times what you're, you're, we're just trying to find the gray areas. We're trying to find the loopholes. We're trying to figure out a way out. How close can I get to the line instead of how far away from the line can I get? You know why I believe that there's gray areas in Scripture? Uh, I'll tell you. I believe that there's gray areas in Scripture where it's not specifically black and white. It's because you, he wants you to pursue a relationship with him and not obey a bunch of rules, do's and don'ts. I believe this. If God told you exactly what to do and what to follow, and he's given some skeleton framework, some black and whites, but if he laid it all out for you, you would do that. I think, some of you. If... If he just laid it all out, there would be no room that we could just be robots. We could just do it. And there is this place where I think God intentionally lets something be a gray area because he wants you to pursue him and not pursue a list of rules and do's and don'ts. In fact, he's so confident in that. I mean, it's brilliant. He's so confident in that that he says, he says guess what? All of the law. And all of the prophets, all, all the, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the law and all the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and all the, all, everything that was talked about leading up to the cross. He said all of that, you could actually sum it all up in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And he says, and the second is like it, love your neighbors as yourself. He says, it, you could actually sum this whole thing up in love. In other words, if you, if you pursue me, Jesus says, all of these things are, are just going to fall into place. You're going to want to obey the rules. All right. That was actually relatively good. <laughs> um, I want to get, let me just kind of go on with this just a little bit more. Um, here's a verse that kind of just backs up what I just said. 1 John 2, 6, it says this, The one who says he remains in him, talking about Jesus, should walk just as he walked. And so we, we, you settle the argument here of, well, this is what Jesus said and this is what Jesus did. And you want to live a life that Jesus calls you to live. It not only do what he said, but he's like, if, if you say that you're in him, you're going to also walk the way he walked. 
I love that verse. And so how does this play out today in our culture? Uh, like we talk about back then and, and, and the Jewish believers and all that. How does it play out today in this church, in your life? And, and there's a couple things that, that came to mind. Um, and, you know, because we're not, we're not arguing over circumcision today. We're like, nope, hey, if you want to get that done, get that done. If you'd rather not, don't, whatever. Uh, that's, not the, that's not the argument. There's other things that we argue about that we see as principles in Scripture but weren't always commandments, or, or, or let me put it this way, they're not a heaven versus hell conversation, right? There's, there's principles, and, and we would say, in a couple of these I would say God does command, but, but we would also say that you could um, go, I'll tell you in just a minute, but you can still make it to heaven without doing them. All right, so, so here we go. Everyone's like, what? Here's a list. What about... Um, what about church attendance? Oh, no, you didn't, right? Church, church attendance. And, 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 or do I have to go to church to be a Christian, right? Do I have to go to church to go to heaven? And, and these are some of those conversations that you start to have. There's a couple more here if you, if you want me to make it even more awkward. I, I, I will. But, but church attendance. Like, so how many how many times, like a month or a year, is like good attendance in church? And, and is that like, like, or, or how, how much could I get away with so I could still say like I belong to that church and, I, and I'm going, I'm like, right? And, and, like, and, I'm, and I'm doing well in my walk with God. Is there like a measurement on, on church attendance? It's really interesting. And, and yes, I'm the senior pastor talking to you about attending church. And, and so I, I, I do have vested interest in this. But, but listen, we start going down this road and you'll have the ditches on either side. We're going to talk about the other ditch in a minute. But this one ditch is legalism. Do you know that you could attend church faithfully and not have a relationship with Jesus? I mean, that's a, like, like you could like, like be at church and get all the gold stars and all of these things and you could, you know, whatever. You could have record attendance and be going to hell. And so there has to be this thing where we're, we're, we're doing the right things for the right reasons. And, and if you were to say, well, gosh, does the Bible say I need to be in church? Well, there's a couple places that we, would, that we would go to. There'd be, there's, a, there's a place where it says, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing in Hebrews. There, there'd be other places where you would see where, hey, every day in the temple courts, they were, they were following the apostles' teachings and all this stuff. And so we'd see some of those things. But if we were to like go into like a courtroom and like legally say, does the Bible say that I have to be in church every week? And all, you know what? We would, we would find that, that, you know what? There's probably some gray areas there. We would find that there would be people that make an argument that, you know what, I'm with my family on Sunday mornings and we do a devotional and so my family is my church. Some people would, would make an argument. We'd find, or some people, you know, they, they define church as this or define church as that. And so then, so, right, you, you know what I'm saying? And so we start to get into some interesting water here. Or let me, uh, let's talk about another one because some of you guys are, are starting to get angry. What about, um, what about serving? Like serving. Like are, are, you, are you supposed to 
to serve in the church, outside the church? Like, are you supposed to, like, or is there more, are you more spiritual if you serve more? Are you less spiritual if you serve less? Are you, um, when you didn't sign up for that thing that we said you should sign up for, is that like, man, you got to make it up next week? You know, you got to do three more serving things in order to be right with God. I wish it worked that way, actually, because we might might get some more involvement. (laughs) Got all the awkward laughs in here because this is this is where some of these things. This back in in when Paul's writing to the church in Philippi, people were saying, "You know what? Like you're supposed to do this." And this, and this, in order to, like, and, and Paul's saying, gosh, I'd sure like for you to, like, follow the way Jesus walked and do what he did. But, like, you guys are being legalistic, and this is not how you enter the kingdom of heaven. And if you were to ask me my opinion on this, man, I think you should be in church every week. I think you should serve all the time. And I also think that you shouldn't beat yourself up when you can't and when you stay home and when you take a break and go on vacation. And, and I sure wish. I, I woke up this morning and thought, you know what, I think I'd rather not go to church today. And I realized I was the pastor. I'm like, I'm like you know what, we're just calling sick, let somebody else preach. I'm going on four hours. And <laughs> so there's this ditch that really, and it's this mindset of legalism that really affects joy. You can't be full of joy if you're, if you're taking a legalistic approach and, and trying, and it's all about the rules, all about the do's and don'ts. You can't be walking in joy. That's impossible. And yet at the same time, don't we see that there's some of these things that are beneficial for your life and that Jesus says, hey, I'd really like you to do this. I'd really like for it to be part of you. But it's, it's doing the right things for the right reasons. So he goes on, and there were some other things that uh, I, I could have touched on, like giving and tithing. I was going to touch on, you know, Bible reading and baptism, but I, I'll just leave those, and you, know, you guys can. Philippians chapter 3, he moves on, and Paul's talking, and he says, he says, although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. In other words, he's like, you're talking about all of this legalistic stuff, the, the do's and the don'ts, the rules. He's like, he's like, I'm better than you, is what Paul was saying. He's like, I have way more reason to put confidence. Like all the stuff I've accomplished in my life, he's like, he's like you don't even come close. <laughs> That's what Paul was saying. He wasn't being arrogant. He's trying to prove a point here. He's like, you think that, 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 that those legalistic approaches to the gospel, that that's gaining you salvation, you're wrong. He's like, I've done way more that would, that would supposedly gain salvation or conversion, and it's nothing. He go, this is what he says when he goes on. He says, he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. And that was important because it was the eighth day that was prescribed in the law that you're supposed to be circumcised. And he's talking to a bunch of people that were circumcised um, as adults. Ouch. Right? And he's like, you think that that's spiritual. Guess what? I was circumcised when I was supposed to be circumcised, is what he said. He's circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin. At this time in history, there were a lot of Jews who couldn't trace their, their, um, their heritage, their lineage, back to an actual tribe. 
And, and so he was saying, guess what? I could trace my lineage back to, Je- to Benjamin. In fact, he might have even been named after King Saul, who was from the tri- tribe of Benjamin. He's like, guess what? Like, I've got a pure lineage and you don't. He's, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews is what he says. Regarding the law of Pharisee. Now, Pharisee kind of has a bad connotation today in, in, you know, in like our, our Christian Western thinking. But back then, uh, a Pharisee was that sect of, Jewish, uh, of Jews who knew the Bible so well. Those first five books of the Bible, memorized. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, memorized. In fact, they had probably, by the time they were a Pharisee, they probably had the whole Old Testament memorized. Like they knew it like the back of their hand. And so he's like, as, as far as the law, as far as understanding all that, I was a Pharisee. Like, I knew this stuff way better than you. Who are you talking to is what he's saying. He says, he says that regarding zeal, persecuting the church. I already talked to you about that. He, he thought that persecuting the church was doing God a favor because there was this, this heretical sect of Jews rising up following Jesus. Who's this guy this is totally different than what we've taught for years. And he was persecuting them. And, and he was there when Stephen was stoned to death. And he was holding. And, and he, he thought, man, he had zeal. He had passion. Regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. In other words, like I kept the law. I was good at that. He was like that rich young ruler that came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, he says keep the Ten Commandments, basically. And he's like, I've done that ever since I was a boy. I, I, I've kept the law. This was what Paul was saying. I've kept the law. And then he starts to shift here. And this is where Paul drops the mic, right? He says, but everything that was gained to me, I considered to be lost because of Christ. In other words, all of this religious upbringing, all the Bible verses I memorized, all of the, the, the do's and the don'ts that I didn't, didn't do, right? All of those things that, that would say that, that I was the elite of the elite, the best of the best in, in uh, my religious community, all of that stuff I consider loss because of Jesus, because of what he did. It's nothing compared to him is what he said. And then he goes on and he says, and and more than that, in verse 8, I also consider everything to be, not only my religious upbringing, not only the do's and the don'ts, I consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. It's because of him I've suffered the loss of all things and consider them as as dung. This version says dung and some of your versions will say um, uh, um, what, what do you say, refuse or rubbish? It, it actually is translated um, to poop. He's like, I compare it, all of that, I compare it, all the accomplishments, everything good I've ever done, I compare it to poop. I compare it to dung. So that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own from the law, which he had. Not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. And so he starts to talk to the church in Philippi about this ditch on the side of the road that's legalism. you gotta, you got to steer clear of legalism. Steer clear of all of that because it's about relationship, not, not just a bunch of rules. He says, he says, I want you to fall in love with Jesus and, and, and then the byproduct is that you obey. I don't want you to obey and hope that somehow you gain 
something from that. He's like, I didn't. I didn't. And so here's the second ditch. The second ditch or the second mindset that he wants to, people to, to be clear of is a, a worldly mindset. A worldly mindset or, or in, in other words, earthly or fleshly mindset. Legalism will steal your joy and worldliness will steal your joy. You know, worldliness, you're going to think that you've got joy for a while, but it's really happiness and it's fleeting and it's not, it's not going to last. And so he talks, and so he bookends the whole chapter with legalism and worldliness. We, so we, we fast forward to the end of, of Philippians, and this is what it says. Chapter 3, verse 18. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears. Yeah, I mean, he's really emotional about this. He's not just saying a bunch of stuff. He's emotional. He says, say with tears that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. They are focused on what? Earthly things. And so, he, and so he's, he's talking, there's, there's this one crowd that's focused on, on legalistically somehow attaining salvation. And then there's this other crowd that's like, forget it all. Uh, and, and it could be some of the, he could be referring to some of the, those Judaizers, but he's mostly referring to those that are just focused on earthly things. In fact, I like some of the description here. It really describes them. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Uh, evidently, they really like to eat, right? Uh, so there's times in my life I feel like my, the, my God is my stomach as well. <laughs> and, 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 and so he, but what's he saying? He's saying that they're about pleasure. They're about what feels good, what, what's good in the moment, that I'm ruled by my stomach, right? You know, or, or what tastes good and feels good and, and when I'm hungry and instead of being ruled by, by the Lord. Their God is their, is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. It's all about them. It's all about their glory. It's not bringing glory to God. It's bringing glory to themselves. It's a popularity thing. It's a, it's a, you know, who has the most friends on Facebook and Twitter and all of this stuff. And, and, and if you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. You're good. You're good. And, and I mean, this is, this is, uh, this is what he's, he's counteracting. He's like, don't be, don't have this legalism approach to, to try to find salvation. And it's too clear of these people that are just living in the world. And, and where pleasure is like the number one goal and, and what I want is, is, is what satisfies and, and my God is my stomach and it's all about my fame and my glory. So he bookends the chapter with those two, legalism and worldliness. And in Romans, he, he talks a little bit about the, this mindset. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. He says in Romans chapter 8, verse 6, I think it's on the screen, he says, now the mindset of the flesh, you like that? The, the earthly mindset, the fleshly mindset, the way that they think, the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. So legalism and worldliness are these two ditches in the side of the road. And we, you got to steer clear of both of them. And, and that's what we, what we find. And, in fact, we talk about worldliness and we, and we, wanna, and we immediately think about, you know, oh, those are those people that are outside the church. Those are those people. That, but you know that we can both fall into to those, both of those categories at different times. 
We could slip into a worldly mindset. We could slip into a legalism mindset. And he's talking to the church in Philippi. He's talking to Jewish believers. And he's like, steer clear of both of these. Evidently, like, it was potential for them to, to fall into it. Steer clear of the dogs at the beginning of the chapter and steer clear of these, of these people at the end of the chapter. He's like, he's like, those are the ditches. It's super easy to get focused on worldly, and it's super easy to get focused on legalism. Legalism emphasizes obedience to rules while worldliness and lawlessness emphasizes freedom from rules. And how many, how many people are like that, right? And, and man... I'm not a, just by nature and my personality, um, I tend to steer clear of legalism. I, I just do. But you've got personalities that tend to focus black and white legalism and, and then others that are, it's all about freedom, freedom in Christ. I mean, and what did Paul say about that? He's like, don't use your freedom as a license to what? To sin. So, so you, you had these two things. He's like, he's like, you are free, but don't use your freedom to like be over here in this ditch. And also don't be, and so he's like, so where, there has to be a third way. There has to be a way to find joy in the midst of all of this. And, and this is our last thing that we want to talk about today. It's an eternal perspective or an eternal mindset that he talks about, a heavenly mindset. And this is in Philippians chapter 1, in, in the very first chapter, verse 27, he says this. He says, just one thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel. I like that. As citizens of heaven. Philippians 3, he goes on and he says the same thing. Philippians 3 verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he's like, you're not from here. The moment that you give your heart to Jesus, you, this isn't where, like, like, your passport shouldn't say United States of America or wherever it's from. You are from heaven. Start living like it, is what he says. You're from heaven. There's a whole different set of governing rules in that kingdom. There's a whole nother, nother way to think in that kingdom. There's all kinds of different, he's like, you're from heaven. Start thinking like that. And I like what, Paul says right in the middle, this is kind of the, this is why he's like, you don't, don't be in this ditch and don't be in this ditch. This is what he says, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He says, my goal is to know him. Can we stop there? Isn't that the safeguard? When he says my goal is to know him, it's like a relational know. Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 7. A bunch of people come to Jesus and they, and they say, you know, like we've baptized people in your name. We've cast out demons in your name. We've healed the sick in your name. We've done all these things in your name, right? And what did Jesus tell them? He says, he says depart from me because I never knew you. He's like, you know, on that day you're going to say, Lord, Lord, Lord. He's like, wait, I wasn't ever Lord. We never had relationship. That word no. I never knew you. That's the relational no. It's more than just, like, like he, he's not saying, oh, yep, you know what? You Googled facts about Jesus. You're good to go. You, you know more about Jesus than the next person. No. He's like, you, like we talked daily. We, we fellowshiped. We, you, you, were, you were a part of what I was doing, and I was a part of your life, and we had relationship, and that relationship grew. And, and that's what he means by no. Paul says here, he's like, you want to stay out of the two ditches? He's like, my goal is to know him. 
And he goes on and, and says it even further. He says, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. And we want to miss that one, right? The fellowship of his sufferings. Being conformed to his death. Verse 11, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead, not that I have already reached the goal. And in other words, what he's saying here, he's like, he's like, my goal is to know him, but there's so much more to know. Like, I haven't arrived yet. My goal is to, like, intimately know Jesus and to have a relationship with him that's like, that's, like, out of this world. He's like, and I know him, but I haven't reached the goal yet. There's more. I will be continuing to reach for this goal for the rest of my life, is what he's saying. I want to know him more and more. Not that I've already reached the goal or I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it. Because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I did not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, and this is like, I mean, this is where he shifts. And he's, he says, this is how. This is, this is how we, we walk down the middle and we, we stay away from those ditches. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind, reaching towards what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. Again, it's that mindset, right? And if you think differently, I love this statement. You gotta, you gotta hear it. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In other words, I'm right. And if you don't think the way I, I think about this, you're wrong. But I'll just let God deal with you, is what Paul said. So, now that's not permission for you to set, use that in your marriages, all right? I'm just going to let God deal with you. you know? don't, don't do that. Verse 16, in any case, we should live up to whatever truth we've attained. Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. There was a, this, this whole idea of, of knowing Jesus intimately. There was an elderly man that moved into a retirement community. It wasn't long until he had made a number of friends among the other residents. There was one lady he was especially attracted to, and she was attracted to him also. They spent a lot of time together. Finally, one evening, he proposed asking her to marry him right there in this uh, retirement center. The next morning, he woke up remembering his proposal, but he couldn't remember her answer. So he went to her and said, I'm really embarrassed to admit this, but I know I proposed to you last night, but I can't remember if you said yes or no. She said, oh, thank goodness, she replied. I remember saying yes to someone last night, but I couldn't remember who asked me. <laughs> we, we, we probably need to know him better than they knew each other, right? This is, this is that middle, this is that, that road that, that the God is calling you to walk on. That we fall in love with Jesus. It's that we did a, a series, uh, or at least, a, I think it was a series, if not a, um, at least a sermon recently, where we talked about John 15 and the kind of the secrets of abiding in the vine. That, that it, it, at the end of Jesus' life, he's with his best friends. And he says, he says, imagine if you were, if your loved one or your friend was on their deathbed, and their last dying words to you, what would it be, or what would your last dying words be to them? And Jesus knew he was going to die in, in John 15, 
And these disciples had followed him and they had done miracles with him and all this stuff. And, and his last words wasn't about how to do more miracles and how to walk on water, how to turn water to wine. You're like, that'd be a good one. Teach me how to do that one. Like, no, how to raise the dead. No, he said this. He's like, at the end of it all, he's like, abide in me. If you don't hear anything else, abide in me. In, in, in other words, get as close to me as you can. Love me. And, and how? Well, there's, man, by, uh, you know, being in his word and, and by praying and by listening to, to worship music and by surrounding yourself with people that love him and, and, and in that community, yes, by being in church regularly, yeah, that would help you grow in your walk with Jesus. and All of this stuff, he's like, he's like abide in me and I in you. He's like, there is this place. He's like, no, you can't like do a bunch of works and performance and somehow feel like that's going to uh, have you attained something great. He's like, and, and steer clear of this other side where it's all free and anything goes and we can just, all roads lead to heaven and we can just live however we want to live. He's like, no, that's a ditch too. Let's just, uh, let's, like Paul said, may our goal be that I just may know him. That I just may know him. How about that? Is that all right? Could we uh, stand together and Pastor Kelly's coming? Praise God. I think you're staying awake, guys. That was, I mean, some of you I was watching, it was a struggle. So you guys are good. Jesus. You know, um, just as we're, as we're closing here, and we're going to close with, a, with a one song. And... Uh, and then we'll, we'll be out. If you want to stay longer and pray, you can. But um, there may be some of you that have been just struggling with joy. Maybe it's been a hard season or maybe it's just a, a, a mindset. Maybe there's just maybe you just happen to just kind of view life negatively or whatever it is. And, and you just like have a hard time just being happy, being joyful. And I think that God would really like to, to minister to you today. Where beyond the... And some of you have been praying for things for weeks and years and months, right? And just still haven't had the breakthrough. And some of you just, you've had some, some hard knocks and some different things. And it's just like, it's so hard to just even think about joy. Like, how could I be joyful right now? And, and God, I, I believe, just wants to encounter you. He can encounter you right in your seat. But, um, but if you want to come forward, we could pray with you too. And, and just that this would be a day where everything shifts and all of a sudden you know, Colossians chapter 3 says to set your heart and your mind on things above there's a, there's a joy mindset that he'd like to give you to help you just lift your eyes up and see him and walk in joy today even though it's hard I know it's hard Lord all over this place from my right to my left Lord I just thank you for the joy of our salvation and Lord that you're encountering people even in their hardest moments the biggest things that they're facing, Lord. Would you love on people? Would you ignite a joy in their heart that goes beyond circumstances and goes beyond thought processes that just doesn't make any sense, that I have joy. I don't even know where it's coming from, but I know I've got joy. Lord, would you do that even right now? to have Pastor Kelly lead us in worship and if that's you and you just would like someone to pray for you or break through in the area of joy would you come forward and um, or raise your hand and someone will come to you but let's just worship God for a minute here